We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. go episode 460 of the Al Galdi podcast it is Friday December 9th 2022 and you thought that this would be a quiet week for the commanders with it being their bye week we on Thursday got what we believe was one last shot one last whammy from Congress's House Committee on Oversight and Reform on Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder, a.k.a. Danny Boy, a.k.a. The Danny, a.k.a. Mr. Snyder, if you're trying to get in his good graces. We on Thursday got the final report from the committee on its investigation into the Washington workplace misconduct scandal. The report includes... The transcripts of the depositions of Dan Snyder and former Redskins executive Bruce Allen. And uh, yeah, there was some uh, juicy stuff. There were some uh, uh, spicy uh, meatballs. Uh, Now, I don't think that this report fundamentally changes anything. Uh, The bulk of the report was stuff that was already out there. But we did have some real whoppers from Dan and Bruce, two friends turned bitter enemies. Uh, Bruce was Dan's guy for a decade. Bruce was Dan's binky for a decade. And uh, now the two of them are at each other's throats. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, We are all Carolina Panthers and Philadelphia Eagles fans this weekend. Uh, Two teams for which Commander's head coach Ron Rivera has worked. Uh, He used to be the Panthers head coach. Did you know that? Uh, The 7-5-1 Commanders are six percentage points behind the 7-5 Seattle Seahawks for the NFC's third and final wild card spot and are a half game behind the New York Giants for the NFC's second wild card spot. The Seahawks are home to the four and eight Panthers Sunday afternoon at 425. The Giants are home to the NFL leading 11 and one Eagles Sunday afternoon at one. Look, it's going to feel gross rooting for the Eagles, but you do what you got to do, okay? You get in bed with whom you must get in bed. So uh, close your eyes and think about Dua Lipa, okay? Uh, Anyway, coming up on the show, in-depth reaction to and analysis of and scheduled fun with uh, this final report from Congress's House Committee on Oversight and Reform on Washington's Workplace Misconduct Scandal. Now, understand, I'm only going to cover that which is new. I'm not going to waste my time or your time discussing things that have been talked about a bunch. But there are new things to be aware of, including new football operations Things. New details on the holdout of left tackle Trent Williams in 2019 and the trade for quarterback Carson Wentz this past March. I'm going to get into those things. Uh, some wild stuff 
from Dan and Bruce and much more next segment. And then after that, I'm going to welcome on sports business insider A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports for his thoughts on the report and more importantly, his insight on where we are in Dan selling the commanders. You know, we have not heard much lately about the sale of the team. Uh, What's going on? Uh, What is Dan thinking? AJ is going to share some intel with us, including addressing the likelihood of Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, aka Uncle Jeff, buying the team. Uh, Also on the show, college football. I have a Goldilocks preview and pick for Navy versus Army at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia, Saturday afternoon at three. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. We on the podcast have had a lot of Chase Young conversation this week, especially on Tuesday's show, episode 457, and on Thursday's show, episode 459, during my conversation with Commander's Insider Ben Standing of The Athletic. Uh, two different outlooks on Chase via email. First, this email from Philip C., the MD, one of many doctors who listen to this podcast. I'm not sure why so many doctors listen to this podcast, but that is the case. Uh, Anyway, writes Philip, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but there are a few aspects regarding Chase Young's return that at least have me excited to see him in action. Consider this. I think that most would agree that Montez Sweat is performing at the highest level that we've seen from him in his young career thus far. If you take a look at the film, his success has come with a playing style that we haven't always seen from him. Bull rushing. With most of his pressures, we see Montez pushing an offensive lineman into the backfield, if not directly, into the quarterback. This is quite different from how he rushed from the edge in much of his first two seasons, during which he often would rush with this step stutter step move, which eventually led to him being flushed out to the perimeter of the pocket and effectively removed from the play. This step stutter step flush sequence is virtually all we saw from Chase Young last year before his season ending injury. So it appears Montez has learned how to use his strength despite his exceptional speed off the edge. Now, Chase Young's best attribute has been his combination of strength and speed. His quickness off the edge may be compromised by injury, but if he learns how to use his power rushing off the edge, he may have more success than last year. One can only hope that his time on the sidelines has allowed him to learn by observation and he has visualized himself rushing with a different application of his skill set. So where or how did Montez find his groove? I can only assume at this point, but I don't think it's a coincidence that he's being coached by Mr. Bullrush himself, Ryan Kerrigan, not Sam Mills III. Thank you for the email, Philip. You know, that is the kind of high football IQ email that we love on this podcast. Uh, And I do think that Philip is onto something with the point about Ryan Kerrigan. You know, Ron Rivera in a post-practice press conference last Friday, December 2nd, cited Ryan Kerrigan as a reason for Montez Sweat's improvement this season. Uh, Ryan, of course, is one of the best edge defenders in franchise history. He has helped an edge defender in Montez Sweat, and you would think that Ryan could help another edge defender in Chase Young. What I'd love to know is to what extent has Chase in recovering from his torn right knee, been able to work on his pass rushing techniques. But, you know, it really does stand out that one of the bigger occurrences this year for the commanders was the change to the coaching staff. A change that, remember, happened after the start of training camp. Uh, Ron Rivera, on August 9th, announcing the firing of defensive line coach Sam Mills III and promoting of assistant defensive line coach Jeff Scanina to defensive line coach, and then the commanders on September 5th announcing the hiring of Ryan Kerrigan as assistant defensive line coach. Uh, Now, also regarding Chase Young, this email from Kevin writes, Kevin, if we could get a first-round pick in return for Chase Young, should we make that trade? 
My thought process is this. The defensive line is already proven to be great with Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Montez Sweat. Chase is a luxury player at a position of strength. He doesn't add meaningful value to our team when we have a top five unit without him. And on to the more pressing need, we desperately need to take a shot on a real quarterback in the draft. An extra first round pick would give us the firepower to move up this year. So I ask again, should we trade Chase Young for a first round pick after the season? Do you think anyone would make that trade with us? As always, love the show. Uh, Thank you for that, Kevin. Uh, Should the commanders be open to trading Chase Young for a first round pick? Absolutely. Can the commanders trade Chase Young for a first round pick? Uh, Absolutely not. At least not right now. Uh, If he next season stays healthy and plays really well, then yes, the commanders at that point might be able to trade him for a first round pick. Uh, Although if he next season is staying healthy and playing really well, then I'm not sure that they should trade him. But right now, uh, there is extreme uncertainty with what Chase will be as a player moving forward. There's no way that another NFL team would give up a first round pick for Chase Young right now. You know, I'm rooting very hard for Chase Young, but it is so clear now that his right knee got ravaged in that win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on November 14th, 2021. And he may never again be what he was physically or, by the way, mentally as a player. Uh, Ron Rivera's comments during his day after the game Zoom press conference this past Monday afternoon were very telling. Uh, Ron essentially saying that the biggest reason that Chase still hasn't made his 2022 season debut is that he lacks confidence in the right knee. Uh, I'm not sure that Ron should have said that, but uh, he said that. Uh, Email from Jack L. on Ron Rivera writes, Jack, I would like to share a few thoughts and get your opinion. When it comes to getting the team to focus, no matter the storms or serious happenings swirling around the team and Ron personally, Ron is top-notch and is amazing at keeping the players focused individually and as a team on the games. There is no praise too high for the job that Ron has done at keeping the team straight and on track. What I see as a problem, in my unqualified opinion, is that Ron and his staff on offense, except in desperation situations at the ends of games, are lacking, i.e. clock management, sticking to a scheme instead of tailoring the play calling to what is happening in the situation and at the moment on the field, underutilizing players such as getting the ball to Antonio Gibson more as a receiver the way that J.D. McKissick has been used and using it Taylor Heineke as the Falcons and Giants used their quarterbacks against us. Thank you for taking the time to read and for the high quality and informative podcasts you post daily. I know doing so is not easy and please know the podcasts are very much appreciated. Well, thank you, Jack. Uh, Your email is much appreciated. Uh, Totally agree on the point about Ron Rivera being great at keeping the team focused and together in the midst of all of the non-football stuff of the last two and a half years. I don't know how anyone could disagree with that. And regarding the points about Ron and his staff on offense, look, there are positives, okay? But the bottom line is that the team under Ron still has not had a truly good offense. Uh, Washington's offense has been bad in each of Ron's three seasons as the team's head coach. There are a lot of reasons for that. There certainly is context for that. But at some point, you need to have an offense that's good. And Washington has yet to have that over three seasons with Ron as head coach. Here are Washington's rankings in total offense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric for each of the last three regular seasons. Uh, There are 32 teams in the NFL. 2020, number 32, as in dead last. 2021, number 21. And 2022 through week 13, number 26. Those rankings are brutal, man. Uh, So yeah, I mean, it is fair to question plenty of things about Washington's offense with Ron Rivera. 
as head coach. One thing, though, not to question is whether you should go with Kellen Hunt as your real estate agent. You know, now actually is a good time to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area. Housing prices are coming down due to an increase in inventory caused by the increases in mortgage rates with others not buying. Now's actually the perfect time to buy. When everyone else is zigging, you should be zagging. Contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L dot com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the Washington, D.C. area real estate market, and he is here for you to listen to what you want, no matter your situation in life. Whether you are a first-time buyer looking for guidance or you have a young family looking for a bigger home or you are ready to retire and or are looking to downsize, Kellen Hunt can help you. Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people. He's a great guy and he will listen to you. He's not just some know-it-all. He works for you. He takes in what you're looking for and then gets to work. Smart, attention to detail, creative. Put Kellen Hunt to work for you. And know this, Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing and he wants to help. So visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. See what he can do for you. Visit closeitwithkell.com and book your introductory call with Kellen Hunt. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit closeitwithkell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. If you are feeling generous, uh, if you are in a giving mood in this holiday season, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. Uh, the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot, and I thank you for doing them. Uh, I, on Thursday's show, episode 459, uh, spoke with Commander's Insider Ben Standing of The Athletic. Uh, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, ben was great. I would highly encourage you to check out our conversation if you missed it. But toward the end of the conversation, I remarked how things regarding Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder have been quiet lately, almost too quiet. And sure enough, we on Thursday got another dose of the Dan Snyder saga. Uh, we on Thursday got the final report from Congress's House Committee on Oversight and Reform on its investigation into Washington's workplace misconduct scandal. Uh, now, we had been waiting on this report, especially with the Republicans having won back control of the House of Representatives via the midterm elections. Uh, there has been a very clear partisan divide with Congress's investigating the commanders. Uh, Democrats have been for the investigation. Republicans have been against the investigation. Uh, this report from the committee on Thursday was 79 pages long. Yeah, 79 pages. Uh, said the committee in a press release, quote, the committee's investigation shows that sexual harassment, bullying, and other toxic conduct pervaded the commander's workplace, perpetuated by a culture of fear instilled by the team's owner. Despite the NFL's knowledge, through its internal investigation that the team's owner permitted and participated in the workplace misconduct and engaged in tactics used to intimidate, surveil, and pay off victims, the NFL aligned its legal interests with the commanders, failed to curtail these abusive tactics, and buried the investigation's findings. End quote. Uh, here is the truth. Much of the report was a rehashing of a lot of things that have come out over the course of the workplace misconduct scandal and of the committee's investigation, which started in October 2021. But there were a few new items, and it is those items that I want to focus on in this segment. The most significant overarching item is that the report added detail about the depositions of Dan Snyder and former Redskins executive Bruce Allen, 
who, as you likely know, now hate each other's guts, okay? Uh, these two guys went from being best friends, went from being besties, to now despising each other. Uh, it's amazing, although not all that surprising. I tweeted this on Thursday afternoon. The Dan Snyder-Bruce Allen bromance-turned-blood feud is an all-timer, and it is. And, you know, you think about Dan, so many of those who he has been close with and or who he has empowered to a great degree have ended up leaving the team in spectacular blowups. You think about Bruce Allen, you think about former Redskins executive vice president slash head coach Mike Shanahan, you think about the team's former minority owners, Dwight Shar, Robert Rothman, and Fred Smith. Uh, you think about the Skins' former head of business operations, Brian LaFamina. Not only do things usually not end well for high-level friends slash employees with Dan, but things usually end really ugly and really nasty. And that, to me, is so telling in so many ways. And, of course, the common denominator is the Danny. Uh, but anyway, the Dan Snyder deposition. Dan, this past July 28th, what was the day after 2022 Commander's Training Camp began, testified virtually before Congress's House Committee on Oversight and Reform regarding Washington's workplace misconduct scandal. Uh, this was a voluntary deposition as opposed to him testifying under a subpoena uh, with which, remember, Congress was not able to serve Dan uh, due to him hiding on his super yacht and also due to his lawyers refusing to accept service of the subpoena. Uh, Dan ended up testifying from Israel, uh, where he attended a memorial service for his mother who had died a year earlier. The testimony lasted for nearly 11 hours, and it wasn't until the 6 a.m. Eastern hour on July 28th that we got word that the testimony would actually happen due to negotiations that went on for a month and a half. Well, this report that came out on Thursday was the first extensive word from the committee on Dan Snyder's long-anticipated deposition, the committee, for whatever reason, had said basically nothing about Dan's deposition. Uh, said the committee in the report, quote, Commander's owner Daniel Snyder, who owned the team during the two decades when workplace misconduct was rampant in the organization, also obstructed the committee's inquiry. Mr. Snyder was invited to testify at a public hearing, but refused to appear and then sought to avoid service of a subpoena while abroad with his yacht. Mr. Snyder ultimately sat for a private deposition, but failed to provide full and complete testimony. Over the course of the deposition, he claimed more than 100 times <laughs> that he could not recall the answers to the committee's questions, including basic inquiries about his role as team owner and multiple allegations of misconduct. Mr. Snyder also gave misleading testimony about his efforts to interfere with the Wilkinson investigation. End quote. Uh, the report, to nobody's surprise, just hammered at Dan Snyder. But the most interesting stuff to me was the stuff from Bruce Allen's deposition. Uh, Bruce was deposed by the committee this past September 6th. Uh, his deposition happened via Zoom. Uh, we did not learn of the deposition until the morning of September 6th, and his deposition lasted for more than 10 hours. The report included Bruce Allen having told the committee that Dan Snyder was responsible for the infamous leaked Bruce Allen emails of October 2021. Uh, always keep this in mind. This Washington workplace misconduct scandal essentially was over. And then came the leaked emails from Bruce Allen's time as a Redskins executive. John Gruden, on October 11th, 2021, resigned as Las Vegas Raiders head coach off multiple reports of him having used racist, misogynistic, and anti-gay language in emails with Bruce during John's time as an analyst on ESPN's Monday Night Football and during Bruce's time as a Skins executive. Uh, the emails were uncovered via the Beth Wilkinson investigation into Washington's workplace misconduct scandal. 
The theory for more than a year had been that Team Dan Snyder leaked the emails in an attempt by Dan to exact revenge on Bruce, but nobody knew for sure who leaked the emails. Well, we still don't know for sure, but both Bruce Allen and the NFL believe that Team Dan Snyder leaked the emails. This, maybe more than anything, was the most significant reveal from this report from the House Committee on Oversight and Reform on Thursday. Said the report from the committee on Thursday, quote, In October 2021, Mr. Allen learned that many of the inappropriate emails obtained by Mr. Snyder from his commander's email account had been leaked to the Wall Street Journal. According to Mr. Allen, when he called NFL's counsel Lisa Friel to complain, she indicated that the commanders were responsible for the leak, stating, we didn't do it at the league office. It came out of their side, end quote. So how about that? This theory appears to be the right idea. Team Dan Snyder, Team Danny Boy leaked the Bruce Allen emails, at least according to what Bruce told Congress. And Bruce is basing this off what he was told by the NFL's counsel, Lisa Friel. Think about the irony of all of this. Again, this workplace misconduct scandal was basically done. The findings of the Beth Wilkinson investigation came out in July 2021, and that was it. The scandal was basically finished. It got reignited by the leaked Bruce Allen emails, which are what prompted the congressional investigation. Congress was doing nothing with the team. And then came the leaked Bruce Allen emails in October 2021. And then came Congress's involvement. And it now appears more than ever before that Team Dan Snyder leaked the emails. Dan himself was responsible for reigniting a scandal that has done a lot more harm to him than the scandal has done to Bruce. I can't get over that. The backfiring of this tactic by Team Dan Snyder is just another misstep by this guy as owner of this team. It really is something. Uh, The report on Thursday also included this, quote, Mr. Snyder also blamed Mr. Allen for the commander's decades-long toxic environment. In his deposition, Mr. Snyder claimed to believe that Mr. Allen was responsible for the commander's toxic workplace culture due to a remark by Mr. Allen about the team's football program. According to Mr. Snyder, Mr. Allen stated that the commander's culture was actually damned good (laughs) during a press conference to announce the firing of former Commander's head coach Jay Gruden. But when pressed at his deposition to provide examples demonstrating specifically how, beyond this comment alone, Mr. Allen was responsible for more than two decades of misconduct at the Commander's at the time of his termination, Mr. Snyder was unable to explain himself. Question, so what culture are you referring to when you say that there was a workplace culture and you're suggesting that Mr. Allen was responsible for it in 2019? Answer, I believe it's four or five days prior to termination of Jay Gruden, who was on TMZ smoking marijuana. And we knew we had a problem, obviously. He was the head coach. Question, Mr. Allen was the head coach? Answer, no, I'm referring to four or five days prior to the termination of Jay Gruden at a press conference where Bruce Allen said, we have a damned good culture. It was on TMZ, Coach Jay Gruden was smoking marijuana on a sidewalk somewhere, crazy video, and we knew that it was an obvious signal there was a culture problem. Question, The culture problem that you're referring to is Mr. Gruden smoking marijuana on TV? Answer, no, I'm referring to, as I said, when Bruce Allen said, answered the question, a damned good culture. We just didn't believe him. Question, 
other than the marijuana incident, what else can you point to that led you to believe there was a culture that Mr. Allen was responsible for apart from him defending the Washington commanders? Answer, we just thought we had some work to do on the culture and what we needed as a head coach was a mature culture setting coach. We started there. As I mentioned, we hired Coach Rivera the beginning of 2020. And as I also said earlier, we got to the business side and would have gotten there earlier too had it not been for COVID, end quote. All right, so there is a lot in that passage that I just read to you. First of all, the invoking of perhaps the most famous quote from Bruce Allen, quote, you know, the culture is actually damn good, end quote. Bruce said that at the press conference discussing the firing of Jay Gruden as head coach in October 2019. For the record, Bruce did not say damned good culture. The quote is, you know, the culture is actually damn good. Here you go. You know, the culture is actually damn good. Yes, Bruce, the culture. Uh, that, that quote is in this report. A congressional report is hysterical to me. Uh, also, the famous Jay Gruden videos. Yeah, in case that you've forgotten about these. So Jay got fired as Redskins head coach on Monday, October 7th, 2019, the day after the Redskins fell to 0-5 with a 33-7 loss to the New England Patriots at FedEx Field. Uh, we on Friday, October 4th, 2019, got the online release of various videos of Jay Gruden outside of a bar smoking something uh, with a woman who isn't his wife. Uh, Jay appears to be inebriated in the videos. Uh, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk at the time reported that, quote, per a source with knowledge of the situation, the videos are more than a year old, if not older than that, end quote. Uh, the videos were posted to the Twitter account at BubbaChuck757. Uh, yes, good old Bubba Chuck 757. But the account went private shortly after posting the footage. You know, this was a very mysterious thing, these Jay Gruden videos, and that they were posted right as it felt that him getting fired was a distinct possibility. And then, of course, he ended up getting fired. Uh, this always was a coincidence that was hard to ignore, but we never have gotten the truth about, okay, where did these videos come from? Who posted these videos? You know, who is Bubba Chuck? We just never found out. Uh, and then this Dan Snyder campaign to blame Bruce Allen for Washington's workplace misconduct scandal. This campaign has been going on. This, to me, though, has been such a low IQ tactic by Team Dan Snyder. Never mind, like, you know, the morality or anything like that, okay? But just understand how low IQ this is. Bruce Allen was an executive for the Redskins from December 2009 to December 2019. The allegations in the workplace misconduct scandal predate December 2009. Anyone with a brain, anyone with a semblance of intelligence can put together the timeline and recognize, hmm, Bruce wasn't hired until December 2009. A bunch of allegations in the scandal predate December 2009. Ergo, even if Bruce was bad for the team's culture, the bad culture did not start with Bruce. Uh, it just is ridiculous to me that Team Danny has continued down this path of, well, it was all Bruce's fault. He wasn't hired until December 2009. Uh, the report also included Dan Snyder for Bruce Allen having hired a private investigator to track Bruce. Yeah. Quote, in addition, the committee uncovered evidence that after the NFL ended its engagement with former Attorney General Lynch, Mr. Snyder sent private investigators to residents of his former team president, Mr. Allen, to surveil him. Mr. Allen explained this during his committee deposition in September 2022. Question. 
And who do you understand was responsible for sending private investigators to follow, as you said, your co-workers and your friends and yourself? Answer, well, the one who followed me told me the Washington football team hired him. Question, when were you followed by a private investigator, Mr. Allen? Answer, last year. Question, do you recall when approximately? Answer, yes, it was in around, well, I don't know when it started. I met him, I think, in right around beginning of March. But I don't know when it started, and I don't know if it stopped. Answer, and how did you know the person who was following you was a private investigator? Answer, my wife was concerned. We live in a, we had just moved into a home. And the street's a real narrow street. It's hard, two cars even, to go by. And she saw a car out there the night before, and then in the morning, it was there, and it's running, the engine's running. And I had made some coffee, and I went out. And the gentleman stepped out of the car, and he said, Hi, Mr. Allen. I said, Well, that's interesting. You need a cup of coffee? Are you here to serve me with a subpoena or something? He said, no, we're just here to follow you. And something like, document your actions. End quote. Okay, so never mind that a private investigator was parked outside of Bruce's house in apparently a running car like some creep, okay? Never mind that. How how about this private investigator like immediately revealing himself to Bruce? Like how bad <laughs> how incompetent was this private investigator who team Dan Snyder hired to track Bruce Allen, the PI gave himself up like right away, okay? <laughs> I mean, what is this guy like the worst private investigator of all time? Like, way to hang tough, Dan Snyder, PI guy. Uh, I'm telling you, you cannot make this stuff up. Uh, additionally, the House Committee on Oversight and Reform on Thursday released the transcripts of Dan Snyder's and Bruce Allen's depositions. And within those transcripts are various football operations nuggets. Yeah, there's some actual football stuff in all of this. Uh, there were two that stood out to me in particular. Uh, the transcript of Bruce Allen's deposition includes new intel on the holdout of left tackle Trent Williams in 2019. Uh, this from Bruce in his deposition, quote, the Trent Williams situation, you're simplifying a little bit too much. Trent did have a problem with the medical staff. He was upset at the doc for not discovering he has a medical issue, I'll say. And he couldn't put a helmet on to be at the minicamp, but he was holding out because he wanted a new contract from the team. And Trent and I had a great relationship until all of this, and still did during this time, especially during this time. And we could have re-signed him. He's an elite football player. He's a great football player. Great football player. And Dan said no. He said not one dime. Find him the max. And that's what we did. End quote. So think about that from Bruce Allen. And look, who knows how truthful Bruce was in his deposition, okay? I mean, Bruce is a notorious con man, so you cannot just assume that everything that he said was 100% true. But if Bruce was telling the truth with what he said about the Trent Williams situation, you know, that really is a whopper. Trent throughout his situation ripped Bruce Allen and kissed up to Dan Snyder. Remember that? Trent would crush Bruce, but was always very careful to kiss up to Dan because Trent wanted more of Dan's money. And Trent wants to someday be in the team's ring of fame. But at least according to Bruce, Trent should have been kissing up to Bruce and ripping Dan because Bruce, again, at least according to him, was open to signing Trent to the contract extension that Trent was seeking. 
This is a big revelation. Again, if true. Now, listen, the team still botched the situation by not trading Trent Williams sooner, okay? And we don't know exactly where Bruce and Dan stood in that regard. But that is interesting that, again, at least according to Bruce, he was open to re-signing Trent to the contract extension that Trent was seeking and that Dan was the guy who was saying not another dime for Trent Williams. Uh, Meantime, the transcript of Dan Snyder's deposition includes new intel on the commander's trade for quarterback Carson Wentz this past March. Quote, question, were you involved in acquiring quarterback Carson Wentz? Answer, it was actually Martin Mayhew's entire strategy. I called Martin after congratulating him. I was ecstatic about it, and they called me prior to the move and said, we're doing this. I jumped for joy. (laughs) End quote. Uh, Never mind Dan's reaction to the trade for Carson. Uh, That is interesting that, at least according to Dan, General Manager Martin Mayhew was behind the trade for Carson Wentz. The trade, quote, was actually Martin Mayhew's entire strategy, end quote. Uh, Doesn't mean that the head coach, Ron Rivera, had no input in the trade, but that's something to keep in mind here that, again, at least according to Dan, the Carson Wentz trade was a Martin Mayhew production. Up next, insight from a man who has been all over everything going on with Dan Snyder. A welcome on Sports Business Insider, AJ Perez of Front Office Sports. And among the items that we'll get into is what perhaps matters most to you as a Commanders fan. Where are we exactly with Dan selling the team? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, make yourself more money. Advertise on the Al Galdi podcast. Grow your business or practice by reaching thousands of people every episode at a very affordable price. Hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. So we on Thursday got the final report from Congress's House Committee on Oversight and Reform on its investigation into Washington's workplace misconduct scandal. Uh, A man who has done a terrific job of covering all that has been going on with Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder is a man who joins us now, sports business insider AJ Perez of Front Office Sports. You can follow AJ on Twitter at by. AJ Perez. Uh, He lives in Leesburg, Virginia, so he knows the area well. Hey, AJ, nice to talk to you again. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it is a busy day. Well, it's funny. I initially wanted to have you on to discuss where things stand in the sale of the commanders, and I certainly do want to get to that. But the big news on Thursday, 
this final report from Congress's House Committee on Oversight and Reform on its investigation into Washington's workplace misconduct scandal. We knew that the report was coming at some point. Uh, much of the report is a rehashing of a lot of stuff that already had been reported slash revealed. But what to you are the most notable new items in the report? Um, one of, I mean, one of them was the Jim McVeigh part, um, which is, doesn't even concern really anybody. It was just these, the, uh, you know, about an hour before the report came out, we all got access to a, uh, a memo from the GOP side, which is going to be taken over. This is why it had to be finished now. This, this, this investigation was going to be concluded in Jan, by early January, no matter what, because of the changing of, um, from, uh, in, in the House from Democrats to, uh, Democrats to Republicans. So we knew it was going to be ending soon. Um, so the, we, so, but there was like, there, that was like the first part of it was like, we got an early look at, you know, some of those exchanges. Um, and, um, you know, probably there's not, I mean, there was no criminal referral and a, a lot of that, that was my biggest question during this entire investigation. What's going to be the end game? Um, the only referral really was the one from last spring, what did to the federal trade commission, which did spawn three other investigations at least. When it came to the attorneys general in Virginia, Maryland, D.C., and D.C., Maryland, we know what happened there. Maryland settled, and uh, D.C. has two lawsuits going, and we don't know what Virginia is going to be doing yet. Um, so there is no criminal referral. There was there was always, and I was, and I, and I, you know, there was always some kind of, you know, what would they refer it for? And it was always the lie into Congress, you know, part of the investigation. If Snyder was caught in anything, he obviously we. As I, you know, what we kind of expected, Snyder was very evasive in his very lengthy deposition. Um, and, uh, he didn't recall a lot of things, uh, that, you know, that, and that, you know, they, he was called out in the report for that. But there's, uh, no, there was not, there's a lot of, you know, we, we had Bruce Allen, um, saying, uh, right before the Wall Street Journal came out with the first email leaks, uh, the one with the Morris Smith, the, the, the very, the racist trope that, uh, John Gruden used back when he was still at ESPN. Um, you know, the, that that uh, you know, Bruce got a got a call or an email. I kept cook back now uh, from a reporter from the Wall Street Journal. Called the NFL up, uh, was kind of given the runaround a little bit, and then uh, NFL lawyer Lisa Friel um, was uh, you know she she said that you know it wasn't us. It was it was it was it was them. Or basically, it was on you know basically didn't explicitly say for sure that that that, that the commanders leaked it. But we all know the only two people. You know, although there, you know, there, there was a third party, which is Beth Wilkinson, you know, who had him. I very zero chance, I think, that she would have leaked that. Um, who led the investigation at the time? Um, or it was already concluded, actually. It was yeah, concluded several months before. So I guess she may have had access to those, possibly still, maybe not. Maybe she had think those are supposed to be in storage by then, since her report was done. Um, so you know, that was you know, th- those are the kind of like, like the main things. There was not, you know, there was. There was like with no criminal referral, there was nothing that was, you know, too extraordinary really, uh, in this report that we didn't already know. There was a lot of rehashing. It was had a little more information than the you know, the, the DCAG, I would say, was much more of a rehash. Um, there was some new information. Probably the new information was the two depositions and both of them went ten plus hours between uh between uh Gruden uh, sorry, between uh Bruce Allen and and uh, and Dan Snyder. Yeah, and just so people understand what you were talking about with Jim McVeigh. Jim McVeigh is the uncle of former Redskins offensive coordinator and current Los Angeles Rams head coach Sean McVeigh. Uh, Jim McVeigh is an executive for the Outback Bowl, and he was part of a group uh, to which nude cheerleader photos were emailed by former Skins executive Bruce Allen. Uh, Regarding the Dan Snyder deposition before the committee, the deposition happened this past July 28th. Why did the committee wait so long? To put out real details about the deposition. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't. I think uh, you know. I just you know. I they had to release something, and we and they did definitely had to release the two depositions, given that um, they um, uh, uh, La Flamina's uh, deposition came out in June, and so did Jason Friedman's, and a couple, like at least one or two others, uh, before the June hearing. So they had to release that just to be consistent. Um, and it was we didn't. I there was really I I have not read it. Word for word, I've been skimming a lot, and I've had my co- my co- my colleagues look at it as well at front office sports. Uh, but there was like there was, I was kind of shocked that the financial side of things weren't hit on more in his deposition. Um, they didn't seem to try to get get him in any lies. You know, part of it probably was could have been uh, Snyder was very evasive, and you know, I, I don't recall a lot. Um, but yeah, there was that that was kind of like the, the takeaway from that. You know, the Snyder 
you know, he, he, he did dodge the original hearing in June. It took him uh, several more weeks before he sat uh, from, for the, the Zoom deposition. Um, and we knew it was long and we knew there was some contentious parts, but I don't even see if that was, you know, there was, you know, there wasn't a lot of drama, it seems like, in, in, as far as I can tell in that deposition. Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen, it can't be that both are telling the truth about everything because they, in their depositions, said things that are in conflict. How real is the possibility of a perjury charge for someone? I would, it would be shocking to me. And, and then I might, you know, any, you know, I, even the minority could, if, when, when they're in, when they, when, when this changes over in, in, in January and this, this committee, on uh, Comer's taking over the chair from Maloney. Maloney got voted out, and she was, uh, and she's not returning to Congress at all. Um, it looks like I think Raskin is in is in the running for, and I haven't checked this this week, but Raskin or somebody else on the Democratic side is going to take over the committee. They could still do a criminal referral. It wouldn't have as quite as much weight if there was any perjury. Um, and that 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 is the main you know that that's the main charge lying to Congress slash perjury is the main charge that comes out of these kind of investigations because, you know, they, um, and that's why, uh, you know, that's why probably man could be why, um, I'm not saying that's he, that he, had, he, that he would have lied, but that's why I think little, the, um, Snyder's, Snyder's, um, evasiveness kind of, uh, was pretty on display and maybe that he was very, I'm sure anybody would be concerned because if you lie to uh, federal officials during, during the course of investigation, that's a felony. All right. What many, if not most, people listening care about the most with the Dan Snyder situation, the sale of the commanders. Uh, This final report from Congress's House Committee on Oversight and Reform on its investigation into Washington's workplace misconduct scandal. Does the report impact Dan selling the team in any meaningful way, in your opinion? I think it's a wash. Uh, I reported that, you know, he was up until two weeks ago. That's the, the most recent update I have. He was still he was still leaning exploring only selling ten to twenty percent of the team, um, and that was you know and that you know and I've heard that around you know I've heard that you know from from others uh, consistently since he announced it, but it just won't it just not going to fly with the people I talked to around the NFL. There's like there's no you have to, he has to sell, and there's and if there's even though this investigation's over, we still have the DOJ one, we still have um, yeah. Uh, which is uh, we don't even know what they're looking into at the at the over in Alexandria at the um, U.S. Attorney's office there. So it's you know there could be something coming out of that. Um, there was no referral from here. Maybe part of the reason I'm just totally this is just my having covered this legal stuff for uh, well, more than 15 years. You know they maybe the maybe the oversight committee thought well they're already handling it. I don't know. Um, but you know why 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 do a criminal referral if they're already on something that's potentially criminal? Um, we don't even know what that is, uh, you know, which, you know, looking into it, like maybe, you know, maybe this has been going on so long that that's why he wasn't asked about the, um, the financial stuff much during the deposition. You know, you can always, as old, you can speculate all you want and see why that, why they didn't hammer Snyder with the, um, uh, with the holding back revenue and holding back ticket deposits and stuff. Um, so that's, uh, so, you know, that's, so that's, I don't know. I think since this was a lot largely a rehash, I think it's, like I said, it's going to be a wash, but I, there's still, there, nothing has changed since, um, you know, what Jim Irsay said. I think there's still a strong movement. And if Snyder doesn't sell, um, you know, at least a controlling interest of the team that, that they're going to move to force them out. We're talking Dan Snyder and the sale of the Commanders with sports business insider A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports. It was on November 2nd that the Commanders put out that statement confirming a report from Forbes earlier that morning that the team's co-owners and co-CEOs, Dan and Tanya Snyder, were exploring a sale of the team. Quote, Dan and Tanya Snyder and the Washington Commanders announced today that they have hired B of A Securities to consider potential transactions. And quote, the why behind that statement remains so important. Uh, if you go by what the Washington Post reported on November 17th, Dan essentially has to sell the team because it is by 2028 that he has to repay the loan that he took out to buy out his disgruntled minority investors, Dwight Shore, Robert Rothman, and Fred Smith last year. Uh, that announcement that came out on November 2nd, is Dan open to selling the commanders by choice or does he essentially have to sell the team? I mean, he doesn't have to do it if he wants to stay in Landover and just have this horrible attendance at an old stadium. You know, I, 
it, it would it, he would be i mean that the nfl owners will not like that i mean look the attendance even even with this year with the team that's in the, in the playoff hunt has not been great um it, and his inability to get a stadium this is why you know a lot of people i've talked to think he was leaning towards a minority sale which he would get pennies on the dollar i mean um when you if a team is going to be selling for seven or eight billion dollars that doesn't mean 10% of the team is worth 700 or 800 million dollars. The minority interest is a, a fraction of that because you have no control. You know, if the team was valued around 5 billion dollars when the co-owners the, you know sold their share and they sold their 40% for 800 by not, by about 900 million dollars. So that it, they're just they're, they're being be, being a minority owner and finding someone willing to be a minority under a owner under Dan Snyder with all this going on is going to be very difficult if not impossible. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's some rich people out there that wouldn't mind owning a part of the team, but you're owning a part of a team that, you know, where the public still hate, just despises the owner, the general, most of the general public in, in this area. Um, so it's in, it, there's no path to a stadium, you know, would it, yes, uh, um, uh, selling a, a, a chunk of the team, um, to, you know, help your stadium efforts would help, but I don't, there's no way they're going to get enough for a new stadium. And, you're right about him. You know, the reason Bank of America, I've been told, was 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 picked because he I do know and I've seen and I, I know this firsthand. You know, this is his main bank. This is where he financed at least uh, a, a good chunk of buying out the co-owners. He, he, he it was through Bank of America and Bank of America is, is basically the team's main bank. So I don't know. I have, I have no information whether it was, was required as part of um, those loans to buy out the three co-owners that they had if. You know, Snyder, you could, you know, explore to sale, even full or partial, that you have to use them. But that's pretty much the general belief. Um, so it's, you know, I, I still, there's still a part of me that thinks that Snyder is going to try to wait, wait it out as long as he can. You know, I don't, but I don't think, I think there's going to be pressure on him. I'll be going to the owners' meetings next week in Dallas. And, the, and, you know, and, um, you know, I'm sure I'll be talking to some more, some more people there. I think there's, a, you know, there's still an appetite to get him removed. Things change. And if this hasn't changed it, this hasn't, I wouldn't say this is, this has led to more, more of an uproar at all. You know, it's, this was, and I'm not, and I also not saying this is a dud. This is just kind of just part of the story of, of Dan Snyder. And we've, and uh, we found a a little more about him and how he, how he operated the team. A key part of the Dan Snyder saga this year has been the reporting of the souring of his relationships with other NFL owners. You mentioned the NFL League meeting in Texas this coming Tuesday and Wednesday. Is it your understanding that a number of other NFL owners are down on Dan and want him out? Yeah, a number. I know at this point, could you say that there's 24 owners that definitely want him out, that definitely would go for his removal? You know, that's hard to say at that point. I mean, that's going to take a lot. But that's why they're paying attention to the sale. If if all of a sudden in January, Snyder's like, oh, I'm only selling 20 20%, he probably won't even say that until he has someone lined up with that. I mean, he's got a, he can say he wants to sell a minority interest of the team. Who's it's who's going to pay the money, how much, and who and what the you know, what the terms are. And I always people have speculated, oh, maybe he'll sell, sell part of it with the with the path of like controlling the team. <laughs> who's going to do that? I just don't understand how that would work. It's like you're then you're a lame duck as he basically is now. In terms of potential buyers of the Commanders, uh, plenty of names have come up. The name that has come up the most, of course, is that of Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. Is he, in fact, the leader in the clubhouse? Yeah, I don't know. I'm saying Bezos. Yeah, it, Bezos is still, from what I've been hearing here, and I haven't heard a lot over the last month. I don't know who really has. But yeah, he was seems to be the most likely. Um, but there's a couple of ownership groups that if they come close to what Bezos could offer or Bezos drops out, you know, they, you know, I think there's a, there, there's a chance when one of the other groups, you know, like Henry or, or somebody else could, could, could swoop in, you know, there's, you know, Leontis, there's all, there's other people out there, um, including the two that tried to, uh, to, who wanted to buy out the co-owners initially that who, who Dan blocked and they went to court and eventually Dan got the debt waiver and was able to, you know, just finance it himself to buy those three out. Um, so there's, yeah, there's others out there. We just, the thing is like the, the serious ones, and the ones, even the ones we hear rumors about, you know, we really don't know. This is not this the due diligence process, and this is if Dan sells is going moving forward with a full sale. It's it's looking at the financials. You have more than two billion dollars cash. You're, that limits a lot of people. Um, and so Bezos is being one of them. Bomber was one. The reason I, I reached out to Bomber's people, I was like, I saw him at the NFL owners' meetings weeks ago when Ursay said what he said, like about forty five, by a couple hours after I was sit, I was standing next to the front desk and Bomber was checking in, and I'm like, hey, hey, well, that's a good. What the hell? Then it was like, I was like, no chance. But I was like, I'll just figure out. So yeah, it's not bomber. But you know, there's gonna be there, there could be some names, names that we don't even know. Um, that 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 have the one the, 
the quiet ones are the ones you have to uh, that you have to expect will are serious about this. And you know, it's because they you're not going to get access to the books if you one if you're going to the media saying I'm buying this. This is what I'm going to be paying. No, you, you that's not going to get access to the books. And the second thing you need is uh, a lot of money, and they need to verify that. Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. Dan Snyder hates. <laughs> The Washington Post, uh, which is the outlet that in July 2020 broke the story of the workplace misconduct scandal. Do you think that Dan would sell the team to Jeff? If Bezos pay, if Bezos pays a premium, or if Bezos is the only one paying, uh, you know, paying what he wants. Yes, I th- I don't. If if it's close, I have written this before. If it's close, you know, he'll go with somebody else possibly. But I think Dan, you know, Dan. You know, if you're going to lose the team, you know, it's I know it's I know the issues that he's reportedly had with Bezos. But if you're going to lose your team and you want to give it to somebody who has a chance to do great things with it, even if you do dislike that person in some way, allegedly, I don't even know if he does. But, uh, you know, but it's uh, um, and Bezos, I reported, geez, two years ago, it's been a long time uh, that, you know, he was interested in in that and was poking around the buying part of the team. So there's interest there. Um, you know, we, uh, it's, Bezos hasn't, uh, kind of come out and said really much. He had an interview a few weeks ago, didn't really, see, <laughs> kind of, just kind of, just kind of like smirked and winked and we don't even know what his true intentions are still. But, uh, yeah, I think if it's, if, if it's, if it's close, very, very close, I'm talking hundred million dollars, which is like, it's just hilarious to think about <laughs> how that's close. But if it's, it, he could go with somebody else, that's certainly possible. Final question for you. The number of investigations that have taken place slash are taking place with the commanders really is absurd. But still out there is the Mary Jo White investigation. Where are we with that? And do you expect the findings of that investigation anytime soon? My sources close to the team are like, she hasn't interviewed him yet. I've been checking back the last couple of weeks. I'm like, has the interviewed yet? And they're like, Nothing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I don't even know, you know, up until like a month ago, we, if Snyder hadn't interviewed with Barry Joe White. I think there is very little chance Barry Joe White was going to release anything before Congress did. Now that Congress has acted, the Mary Joe White investigations next, she's handling something that Congress really didn't go into. She's handling the um, financial part of it. You know, she's handling the allegations of holding back revenue, holding back um, deposits and stuff like that. And also looking into uh, the allegations uh, made uh, against uh, Snyder it was last February at the roundtable hearing of at that work event. All right, Sports Business Insider AJ Perez of Front Office Sports. Uh, thanks a lot for your time. Have a great weekend. No problem. Thanks for having me. Well, the next chapter in one of the best rivalries in all of sports is on Saturday afternoon, the final game of the 2022 college football regular season, Navy versus Army at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia Saturday afternoon at 3, the 123rd all-time meeting between the Midshipmen and the Black Knights. Uh, The line for this game per FanDuel as of very early Friday morning is Navy minus 2.5. Navy is 4 and Seven overall. Army is five and six overall. And I will tell you right now that the official Goldilocks selection for this game is Navy minus two and a half. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Yes, thank you, Snoop Dogg. Good to hear from you. Uh, two reasons that I'm going with Navy. Reason number one, time off. Uh, Navy has had three weeks to prepare for Army. First time since 2013. That Navy has had three weeks to prepare for Army. Uh, Navy beat Army 34-7 in 2013. Navy, during its time with Kenny Amatololo as head coach, is 4-0 against Army when having three weeks to prepare. Uh, twice during the Amatololo era, Navy has had just one week to prepare for Army, and Navy lost both of those games. So time between games matters in this rivalry. Uh, reason number two that I'm taking Navy is that the mids have found something as this season has gone on. Navy in each of its last three games has been the right side despite being a massive underdog. Uh, Navy for a 2010 loss at Cincinnati on November 5th was an 18 and a half point underdog in multiple shops. Uh, Navy for a 35 32 lost to then number 20 Notre Dame at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore on November 12th was a 17-point underdog per multiple shops. And Navy for a 17-14 win 
at then number 20 UCF on November 19th was a 15 and a half point underdog in multiple shops. Uh, the mids QB1, Ty Lovatai, suffered a season-ending injury in Navy's 27-20 overtime win over Temple at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland on October 29th. But the mids have been able to make hay with Xavier Arline as a starting quarterback. Uh, fullback Daba Fofana has had some big games. Uh, Navy's defense has done some very good things. You know, Navy's defense this season has a school record 32 sacks. Uh, striker John Marshall, who went to Gonzaga College High School in Washington, D.C., has had a monster season. He has a Navy single-season record 10 and a half sacks. So I like the mids against Army. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 461. We'll have a lot for you on the commanders. Uh, yes, they're in the midst of their bye week, but we're going to have plenty to get into, especially with those NFL games on Sunday pertinent to the commanders playoff push. Uh, also on Monday show, I'll talk Capitals, two games for the Caps this weekend, home to the Seattle Kraken Friday night at 7 and at the Winnipeg Jets Sunday night at 7. I'll talk Wizards, uh, two games for the Wiz this weekend at the Indiana Pacers Friday night at 7 and home to the Los Angeles Clippers Saturday night at 7. Uh, and I'll talk college basketball, big game for number 13, Maryland, Terrapins versus number 7, Tennessee, at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, Sunday afternoon at about 4.30 in the Basketball Hall of Fame Invitational. And I say about because prior to that game at the Barclays Center is Virginia Tech versus Oklahoma State, uh, Sunday afternoon at 2 in the Basketball Hall of Fame Invitational. Also, Georgetown at Syracuse, Saturday afternoon at 1. Have a nice weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. You know, the culture is actually damn good. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready our foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.